So I was in Leicester yesterday with um, Simon Breaker and Ken Gott. Do you any of you know Ken Gott? Yeah. And um, uh, I was talking about the concept in my bit that I did at this conference about Joseph in the pit. Remember, I've talked about this plenty recently. And, how Joseph, if he, I mean, forget the gift of prophecy for a minute, but with the gift of hindsight, he actually came to the place where he said to his brothers that put him in a pit, it wasn't you, it was God. I don't, isn't that incredible forgiveness? Yeah. <laughs> Only a heart in love with God can kind of cope with that kind of stuff. And um, so I was sharing all this, that actually if, if Joseph has had a gift of prophecy, equal to his gift of hindsight. He could have been in that pit and from that moment he said, oh, I think I'm in a move of God. Actually, this pit is connected to the palace. You know, via Potiphar's house and prison. They're all peas, aren't they? Doesn't God write a good book? Uh, they weren't all peas in the original one. It might be, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, the understanding that something difficult has happened now is actually a move of God. It's a terribly difficult concept for people yes. to grasp. Yeah. And we only see it in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. So here I am, you know, doing my, my, my lovely preaching. Ken was the next guy on. And uh, he was like, so let me tell you about my pit. And how if I'd have understood in the middle of the pit that it was a pathway to incredible purpose, it would have changed everything. So if you remember, I don't know if you know Ken and Lois's story, but Ken, uh, a real revival guy up in the northeast of England, and in the middle of the 90s, he was hosting services every night for several years with thousands coming from across the world, incredible healings, uh, incredible touch of heaven on the place. And that was the 90s. And then near the end of the 90s, um, uh, they had a ladies' conference, and there was a uh, a woman, woman prophet there, a friend of theirs, that turned to Lois and said, God's going to put a baby in your hands. Now, they're in their mid to late 40s at this point. And prophesied to Lois, God's going to put a baby in your arms. And when he does, it's a sign of a new thing beginning. So, you know, Lois rushes home and tells 45 plus year old Ken, listen to what God said. And he's like, are you kidding me? You know what I mean? Got kids of their own, don't want to go anywhere near anything like that anymore. Uh, even, even toddlers, you know, you'd have the op, so it wasn't going to happen naturally speaking. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, a couple of years later, a miracle scenario just evolves where... A young mum already got five kids, but is struggling and social services are involved. You can imagine the sort of scenario. She's now pregnant again with a sixth child. And if she has the sixth and tries to keep it, they're going to take all five of her. So through a roundabout, miraculous set of circumstances, they adopt this child, this little daughter, Rachel, um, right from the theatre where she was born. Uh, I think the legal adoption was a year later, but literally placed in Lois's arms in the birthing delivery room. And, you know, two years pass, and three, and four, and five, and then they begin to see that she's a little bit of an unusual girl, and has some difficulties and some stuff to overcome. Then a couple of years further in, now she's becoming quite a violent child, and beating up Lois, and life suddenly now we're in the middle of the 2000s becomes hell and in the end she's taken from their care and placed in professional care and they stay in contact but an awful time of of 
very intense five years ago. What on earth is going on, God? Is this prophecy of you? What, what on earth is happening? And they had five years, he would say, absolute hell. Having led a revival, we'd call it in our culture, a move of God. He now, ten years later, is in the, a move of hell, he would think. And so this girl grows up, and then eventually, I think it's about mid-teens, can I go to school, please? And this is kind of a major adjustment in life. And then she gets her GCSEs and does well, and then gets her A-levels and does well, and, and has now just graduated with honours at university a couple of years ago. But his story was, so in the middle of those five years of hell, when your wife is covered in bruises, when all your children are being attacked by this child that God has said, bring into your house, I would have said, we've made some grave mistakes, haven't we? Yes. But he said, you know, today we are the leading carer in the northeast of England for traumatised children. They've got 50 staff, turn over one and a half million, because Lois, from one painful pit of five years of agony, has ended up, it's like a trickle from the temple turning into a river of, so now you go help people with the same thing. And they now, and in more recent times, Westminster Court say, can we roll out the same trauma treatment that you were using in your four centres countrywide? Absolutely. So he said, so now I stand and say, when I was in that pit, was I enjoying it? No, I was hating it. But he said, now I look at the thousands of lives we help. And even their daughter, Rachel, is now employed by them as a student advocate. Cut from beating her mum up. She calls her every day, same time. I think it was eight in the evening. Every day, you okay, mum? He says, so now, when I look at the thousands of lives we touch, and you ask me, were the five years in the pit worth it? He would say, yes, absolutely. God was birthing something. We have a lovely theory that God is good and that means we will never feel bad. But that's not quite what it means. I mean, you know, the, the current international best-selling book around the whole theme of God is good will be Bill Johnson. He's, the whole ministry is based on, come on, get your head around the fact that God likes you, wants to bless you, be good to you. But even he, the great author of that book, sees his wife die of cancer in the last year. So it's that God is good through the trauma and turns the trauma not yeah. that you never face trouble. Yeah. We need to get our head around the fact that, like Joseph, a lumpy, bumpy pit, prison, slander, palace, there's going to be lumps and bumps in the journey. But somehow, forget the, the emotional level that's here. Deep down under your feet, God's going, I am changing, adjusting tectonic plates of destiny you can't even see right now. Here's what I feel for this morning. It's why Rob's still playing. He's got to come up with another awesome song in a minute. <laughs> he really, yeah, he's got it. You can see on his face, he's got one. He's got a good one. Money, money, money by Abba for the offering. That's all. <laughs> uh, different Bible character, Moses. Again, trauma, difficulty, pain. But through it, the tectonic plates of destiny are shifting to get to people in the place where they should be. That's the story of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. 
little lives that panic about what happens in a day or a week or a month, but tectonic plates of destiny, of goodness, are adjusting beneath your feet in a way that you can't see. So how do we endure? So this is, there's a, there's a verse in Hebrews 11. Let me read it you so I get it right. Um, if I can find it. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded, he did, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. Here's the line that I want. He persevered. Everybody say persevere. Say endure. endure. This is how you keep going. When everything at this level is shaking, you've got to know that the tectonic plates of destiny are working in your favour. This is the line. He endured because he saw him who is invisible. There are going to be days when your bank statement won't help you. Don't look at it. The little pile of bills on the desk aren't helping your anxiety levels or your sleep levels. You will only endure because you see something that no one else sees. You see him. You're in a fire. There's three of you panicking. But then you see him, the fourth man. One, like the son of the gods, standing in the fire with you. And you go, you know, everything's going wrong, but everything's going right. God knows what he's doing. Can we this morning, more than anything I felt, what did we do this morning, God? I just felt him saying, look at me. Look at me. In Hebrews 12, it goes on, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. And it says, don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. Just keep looking at him. When everything around you is a bit of a mess, the only way to get through is to see the invisible one. He's right there. He's your father with you. And he'll get you through. I can't, I'm not clever enough. I haven't met a preacher who really is. I can't really answer why God allows trauma. Don't like it, don't want it. Anyone else? I do know this, he weeps with us in it. That's even weirder, isn't it? He kind of gets the human condition that over the span of your life, everything is going to be fine. But this particular Monday or Wednesday or Sunday morning, you might be crying and he still weeps with us. What a God. To see the vista of the ages, but also spot the minute that you're in and have compassion. I know your pain is temporary, but I still feel for you. It's just extraordinary. That's God, right? And so, let me read a passage of scripture to you. And then we're going to worship. Is that all right? Just worship a bit more. Then I'll come back and read another one. Then I've got a prophecy I want to read. We're just going to look at Jesus for a little while. And you never know, we might get lucky. We might even end early because it's so hot in here. People want to picnic and stuff. Come on, let's stand together. Just close your eyes and listen to this. And these are all verses of what happened in a moment of trauma and difficulty. Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died. Come on, close your eyes. I saw the Lord. So in a moment of grief, 
my eyes were filled with a vision of God. He was high and exalted, and his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, angels, each with six wings. They were crying to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. It was another perspective. At the sound of their voices, these seraphs, the doorposts and thresholds shook. Do you know when you say holy, things shake. The temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king. So let, my lips are getting me in trouble, but now my eyes are seeing pure holiness. But God's got an answer. Look at me. One of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken from the altar. He touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And then it says, Then, then, I heard the voice of the Lord. When we look at Jesus, we are washed from the poison of what we're going through so we can hear him clearly again. In the book of Numbers, there's a moment when the children of Israel are all grumpy because of their journey. And God sends snakes into the camp. They begin to bite everybody and people are getting poisoned. It's what grumpiness does. Don't about you, I get grumpy. What was the answer? Moses made uh, a model of a snake, a cursed thing, and held it up high. And it was a, a symbol, a prophetic symbol of Jesus on the cross. And we know what happened. Everybody that looked to that symbol on the cross was healed. The poison disappeared from their system. In a moment of poison, of grumpiness and difficulty, what do we need to do? Look at him. Just wash yourself in him. Wash yourself in his purity. Come on, begin to worship someone. Just quietly in tongues, in English, in your own language. Just look to him. If you don't know what to say, well, join with the angels. They just keep saying, holy, 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 which means pure, set apart, standing alone away from everything else. Pure, clean, fresh. Holy Spirit, come and flood this place. Jesus, we want to look at you today. Get our eyes on you, not on man, not on circumstance. says this, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write a scroll, what, write on a scroll what you see and send it to these seven churches and it names them. Next verse, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet. 
His head and hair were white like wool, white as snow. His eyes were blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held stars, seven of them. And out of his mouth came a double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. This is a bit like Isaiah. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. In other words, I got everything wrapped up in me. I'm the living one. I was dead, but behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to your worst enemy, death and Hades. Write down what you've seen. And he goes on to write the letters to the churches. I love this. He's in a pit and he turns to see the voice. You tend to turn to hear the voice, don't you? So I love the fact that it says, because it's just fun theology. He turned to see the voice. It's like one of God's names is capital T, the capital V voice. But sometimes in a pit, you need to turn to see the better voice. There could have been a voice of, here I am, stuck in this sweltering heat on the Isle of Patmos, not costing him a bit more. Uh, I've, been, I've been doing everything I can for God. Do you know, because he talks about patient endurance and suffering and oh, it's like pretty rough life. And here he is on this little island and mum, it wasn't a holiday. It wasn't booked with Chewy or anyone like that. He was a prisoner. And in the midst of that, he could have been grumpy about now you make up what might have been wrong with him. A skin condition, a lack of food, uh, you know, not washing, ill, pain, whatever. And in the middle of that, instead of being in the flesh, he was in the spirit. We always have a choice. Yeah. And he turned to hear the better voice in the circumstance. And what did he get? Instruction from the church. Just like Isaiah. When he was cleansed of what his mouth had been saying, he could hear the voice of God again. There's always a moment where we need to be cleansed to hear the better voice. Just close your eyes for a minute. Let's remain seated. I can, I can feel the heat-driven weariness in the room. Just sit. God, would you just touch our hearts with the fire. It's not dangerous fire, it's mercy fires. They cleanse, they wash. They wash away the poison of the weak, the burdens, those fear postures we start to put ourselves in, those victim postures in life. Wash them away. Anything that even tries to attempt to get a root of bitterness in our hearts, let him Burn that away right now. Let him wash it away. You're not a victim. You're God's child. You're God's child. You're God's child. And Lord, as a family, as a church, we turn to hear the better voice this morning. We turn to see the one whose eyes are like fire. Who's so grand he can hold seven stars in one hand. But so precise he can reach that hand out touch us and restore us all at the same time. 
turn from flesh to spirit to hear the better voice. What is God saying? Though life might have stumbles and turmoil, what are the good tectonic plates of God's destiny up to right now? He's up to something. He's up to something. We give our hearts to hear the better voice, the spirit voice, God of the ages, the Alpha, the Omega, the one who was here before it all began and who will be here long after it's all over. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. The Mighty One. I, I track with a few um, kind of prophetic friends through things and, and someone that we only know a little bit but he's an Aussie living in, in America just released a word and I think lots of places are going through the kind of lumpy and bumpy journey right now around the world and I'm, it's a long word so you just keep playing. <laughs> but close your eyes and see if you can get your chops around this. Um, because this is happening for loads of ministries and churches around the world. And I sat reading this going, yeah, there's a whole tribe. And actually, I think it's, it's a lot of forerunner type places, pioneering places. You don't want to sit and be late adopters with things. But those who want to be right on the cutting edge, what is God doing right now? have been unwilling to, as it were, just put things back after COVID, but instead go, what are you saying right now, God? And they are finding themselves in an incredible, um, tumultuous, but it's a threshold moment. And this is a word for those people, and I think it counts for us. So are you ready? Just listen. I might miss some bits, out, but I'll email you afterwards if you want to read it all. And this is what God said to him. In the next six months, you're going to wake up settled in the land that I promised to give you long ago. You will wake up and realize that all the battles that you've been through, the fires that you've walked through, and all the wildernesses that you've survived are no longer ahead of you or around you, but they're behind you. You'll breathe deep and see no sign of the pain or trauma that has been following you around for years. The hope deferred that has been like poison sitting in the very recesses of your soul is already beginning to evaporate from your life, never to be seen again. I am establishing you, says the Lord. I'm establishing you, I'm establishing you. I'm taking your feet and I'm planting them firmly and deeply. I'm strengthening you and I'm giving you the land that I promised that I would give you. I will move suddenly and quickly to get you where you need to be and I will give you rest. Yes, your nomadic days will finally be over. Just moments ago, everything that I said I would give you was out of reach. Just moments ago, you're at the door and it looked like there was nothing on the other side. But now you'll step through the door and see what I've been building for you. You'll see what I've been orchestrating for you that you did not even know I was orchestrating. And you'll see what I've been building that you had no clue on. It's been a season that's felt like you were falling into despair, into the depth of darkness. But you'll soon see that I was building for you. I was establishing you. I was getting you ready to step into your promised land. But I know that it looked like you would never reach it, it looked like you would never get to the other side, but soon you'll see I've been leading you through, holding your hand, making sure you did not miss it. I've been freeing your feet from every trap, loosing your hand from the basket and removing every yoke from your shoulder. 
You've had to surrender your plans and old assignments. Surrender everything that you've been birthing and everything you were building. You've had to burn the old oxen, remove the old mantle from your shoulders and let everything in your hands drop. But now I'm giving you your assignment that is attached to the land. I'm giving to you now, says the Lord, what I've been storing up for years. And as you begin to see what I've been storing up, that is when you'll start to experience the restoring. I will restore every single thing that was lost. Everything that was broken. Everything that was torn down in this past season. And it will come back with interest. Soon you'll see that your season of the hardest ground becomes the place of the most fruitful outpouring you've ever seen in your entire life. Soon you'll see the place of your greatest trial and your greatest assassination attempt become the very location that I will pour out my spirit without measure. Don't you see that I've been preparing you? I've been preparing you to birth a new movement that wasn't on your radar. I've been preparing to establish a movement for you that would drive down deep into the earth and shake a nation and extend from you to the nations of the earth. So I've been shaking you upside down and inside out. Anybody? But now get ready to see everything that's been on the inside of you that I've been depositing. Get ready to see the fullness of the mantle upon your life. Get ready to see the flesh, the fresh oil and anointing that I've been depositing in you. Let's leave a bit. Come down here. And I've seen you on your face and I said, this is the servant that is giving me room. This is the one who says, Lord, you and nothing else. Lord, you and nothing else. There shall be no other lover other than you. And in a time of mixture and great compromise, the ones who've chosen the low, humble road, the road to my throne, the secret place, the private place, the place of my gaze and nothing else, the place where everything has gone to die, the place where every man-made achievement just evaporates. From this surrender, I'm giving you the keys to a fresh move of my spirit around the world. To the tired and the weary, the battered from battle and the assassinated, and the ones who've been taken out, the ones who've been deactivated, I'm restoring them, says the Lord. I'm giving them a fresh wind and putting my spirit upon them without measure. I'm bringing so many back from the brink of death in this season. You'll be so surprised who I restore to their former glory, but with so much more. New names, names, that's right. Names are going to change, names are going to be changed. New robes and new running shoes. These are the days that I will build and I will establish my covenant afresh with you. And I will plant you in the midst of ruins and you will dance upon injustice. I think I know where he got that line from. I'm bringing my people back to the drawing board right now. Back, that's what Rachel Hickson said, back to the beginning. So I can course correct them into a greater future than they were heading towards. This is a season where every ceiling of man is breaking. Every ceiling that's been exalted and idolized is breaking. And every single throne that's been exalted above me is crumbling. So I've called you in this hour to establish only what comes from my heart. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. And I will pour out my glory in such magnitude that the earth has not seen. I'm about to pour out my glory in places of extreme darkness, places that look impossible to be turned around, and where it looks impossible for any fruit to come from. Out of those places, I'm going to pour my glory. So don't retreat. Don't run back in fear because of the unknown future. I have gone before you. I have gone before you.
at one level across so many lives that I know around the world. There is great turbulence right now. But this morning I wanted to try and lift our eyes, or can I say go deeper? Because I we just spontaneously come up with the tectonic plates idea, right? I, I didn't think of that until we're halfway through the morning. But it's right. Why is everything shaking? And then you realize, I'm just shifting some things. There are so many churches and ministries right now going, we have stood on the threshold of something transformative. Don't quit. You know the cartoon of the guy chiseling through to gold and he gets three inches from it and thinks, well, I've been doing this for three years, I'm going to quit and turn back. There are so many around the world going, no, 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 no. Don't get distracted by this. Something is shifting. Something is breaking out. It's of another order. God give us spirit eyes. Now, you might need to turn to see that voice if your eyes have been looking at other stuff. Turn to see the voice of truth. God's voice. No one else's. God's voice. Something's happening. Something's happening. I've kind of done my bit. Have you got another song? Finish me.